Take one. Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of Take One with me, Cara Christie. I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've been waiting a long time for this and I'm so excited to finally say I'm bringing you the first episode right now. Finally. So, I'm so excited for today's episode. My first guest is just amazing. It was I just had the best time interviewing her and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it and hear her story as well. So yeah, without further ado, my first guest today is known as Irene McDougall. So for anyone that doesn't know Irene McDougall, she is a, she was local to my area. So she's a theatrical actress and soon to be director. She actually got her first play, which she's directing next year, which is a Shakespeare one. So that'll be really, really good. She, yeah, she's local to my town. So I live in Dundee, which is a, a city in Scotland. Irene is local there and she is mainly known for being one of the main cast members with the Dundee Rep Theatre. So the Rep is a main is the main theatre in our city where most of the plays and musicals are shown there. And I saw my fair share of them and they're amazing. Irene has worked with them for over 20 years, so let's just say she knows her stuff. So she's got a lot of good stories to tell us today. Um, so yeah, it was really fun and exciting and it was just a real pinch me moment for me because I've been a fan of her work for so long and I've saw many of her plays and shows before and I just think she is incredible. She's What she does on that stage is just amazing. So yeah, um, really without further ado, we're just going to get on to the interview and I really hope you guys enjoy it. I can't wait for you to hear Irene's story. I can't wait for you to hear just about all the hurdles face. She's got a lot to say. She's got a lot to tell us. And yeah, that's really what the purpose of the show is about. It's about telling your story, you know, as the guest in the hot seat. It's your story, your personal journey of acting. And I like to hear about, you know, the negatives and the positives because every career has it. But yeah, the main purpose is telling your story. So let's get on to the interview and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you for appearing on my show as the first guest, Irene. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, thank you for being the first guest on the show as well. It means a lot to me and um, it's a very special thing as well, being the first guest. So thanks again for that. So first of all, Lee, the question is, how did you get into acting? Um, well, I, I kind of always wanted to be an actor, but I think when I was at school, I just kind of thought, you know, no one, I kind of thought it was other people that did that. Um, and then uh, and then I just I had a teacher basically who who said to me, you know, you can go to drama school. <laughs> so I decided I was going to go to drama school, much to my um, parents um, dismay. Um, and I remember uh, they wanted me to go to university and I just mm-hmm. I just remember shouting at them a lot. <laughs> such a shame. Um, until I think just to stop me shouting they let me go to drama school yeah oh I feel like at some point as well though like with a lot of actors that when I hear their stories there's always something to do with the parents like the parents always have a say in it as well like some of them will back you 100% you know some are like it's your career it's your life I'm there for you every step of the way but other other um parents will be a bit like kind of funny about it knowing what obviously the career is what it is acting is a very big industry and it can be quite a toxic industry as well you know there's a lot of negatives to acting but if you're yeah. really it's truly what you want to do then I feel like you know you should go for it really yeah I think so and I think I mean once I you know once I started I think my parents were very supportive but mm-hmm. I kind of think like most parents or like most members of the family you they kind of realize that it's a very precarious career mm-hmm. and I think they just kind of thought I would be very disappointed 
um, <laughs> there were many disappointments <laughs> along the way, but um, I think that's what they thought. And they were worried. But once once I started, I mean, when I went to college, um, they d- you didn't get um, any funding at all. And there were no student loans. My parents had to fund me through all. So I can imagine that it wasn't just the fact that it might be a bad career. It was also going to cost them a fortune. Yeah, which I think it did. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they didn't have very much money, but, you know, they, they managed to get it together. And, yeah, they put me through college. They were great. So, yeah, there's some support, yeah. which is, I feel like you need that. In general, yeah. you know, with having, wanting to become an actor, you know, in particular, I feel like that's a really good thing that you've got support, supportive parents there for you as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so was there ever like a specific moment that really made you feel like this is what I want to do? Like, did you ever know exactly when? Was it, you know, when you were in school? Um, was it when they mentioned drama school? Or was there ever a moment just in your head that you thought, OK, this is definitely what I want to do? I think it was doing a school play. Um it was just doing a school play and I really loved it. Um, it was the first school play I'd ever done. Um, I went to lots of different schools because we travelled around a lot, but um, we moved just before my sixth form um, and I went to this other school and uh, I, and it was the first time I'd ever been in a play. I think I must have been in the, the first year of the sixth form um, and it was the first time I'd ever done a play and mm-hmm. I just I loved it. And that's kind of when I thought, and it was the teacher that had kind of um, cast me in that and who eventually sort of said to me, you know, if you're interested in this, why don't you go to drama school? So I think it was that moment. I think I always enjoyed that side of things, but I don't think I actually really thought about, I don't think I thought it was possible or that people did that for a job. I know we kind of watch films <laughs> and watch television. My parents didn't take me to the theatre and um you know, television and films, they were just, they were people on a screen, they, they weren't real, do you know what I mean? So I think i think that's kind of where it started, really. I suppose that was quite late on, uh, but it, I think it confirmed something for me, I think is a better way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, various actors kind of start at different ages, so obviously some people can think from, this, from the get-go, really, you know, as young as you are, this yeah. is for me and other people maybe throughout their life you know they could be in their mid mid ages and they think do you know what this is really what I want to do now you know I've had my life to kind of decide on this but I think either way it doesn't matter you know if that's what you want to do if that's what you're well, passionate about then exactly I I know someone uh not well but um I know this woman that comes into the rep and I think she's in her early 60s I think she has literally just finished training so yeah it is something and, and a lot of um Particularly women, I think, um, probably don't go into it uh, because, you know, they, they meet someone, they have children, they mm-hmm. so they put all that to the side. And then when kind of later on, um, yeah, I think you can. I think it is something you can go into anytime you want to. So. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the careers that you could do that with as well, because there's yeah. other careers that, like, they're just like, you've got to do it from this age, you've got to start at this age. With acting, it's really, it's more broad. Like, you could be any age and yeah. just start, you know, whenever you like really so yeah that's a really uh, good story as well um I know you've played a lot of roles in your time at the rep like you've been there for a long time now is there a specific role in particular that you've played that you would deem as your favorite well it's tricky I've got all sorts of favorites we've been it's the um it's the anniversary this year of the reps it's the 80th anniversary of the rep and it's the 20th anniversary of the um of the rep ensemble um, and so we're getting asked these questions quite a lot at the moment it's tricky I would say there are several um, and there are 
there are also regrets as well. You know, you look back at kind of certain parts and you do think, oh, gosh, I could have done that better. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think the, my most favourite, I've had several favourites, uh, I would say, when we did Midsummer Night's Dream, not the first production we did as the ensemble, the second production of Midsummer Night's Dream, directed by Dominic Hill, uh, played Tanya in that. And I loved that because it was such a fantastic production. Um, we've recently done All My Sons, and, uh, play, and I played uh, Kate Keller. Um, and that, for me, I absolutely loved playing that. And that was with Jemima Levick, who... Um, uh, who used to be in, the artistic director at the Rep and is now the artistic director for Stella Quines. There are there are so many for different reasons. Some because of the part, some because the people you're acting with, it just worked, it clicked. So, so many. I, I feel quite spoiled, actually, for choice. I mean, <laughs> there was another one we did, a Tennessee Williams, Sweet Bird of Youth. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that uh, it was the best thing I'd ever done, but I just loved it. I loved it. Because Tennessee Williams is such a wonderful writer as well. If you get good writing, um, you you can be a lot better than you actually are. It's, <laughs> it's a big, a very big industry, and there's so much to it as well. Like, yeah. You know, even if you didn't love the part, but you liked, you know, like you say, the writing, even just yeah. the story, you know, the cast, yeah. the crew, the other characters. It's just there's just always something about acting as well, and that's what one of the reasons why I really like it as well. Yeah. Um, so throughout all the roles that you have played, if you can remember directly, um, what's been your most challenging role from what you remember that you've done? Oh, my most challenging role. Um, <laughs> I, th- I suppose you could say that every role is challenging because yeah. you know it's interesting as you get older. It's interesting, I think, as you get older, you kind of you kind of grow in confidence and you get less confidence. So it, I think I don't quite I can't quite explain that. I don't quite understand it, but um, challenging, I suppose, is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was probably the most challenging and Sweet Bird of Youth. They were incredibly challenging roles, but hugely gratifying to play. So I enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Was there reasons, um, like what made them so challenging? Was there specific <laughs> reasons? or? Well, they, uh, there was a lot. that they, they, they speak a lot. That That's always a challenge. Um, <laughs> they speak a lot, but also there's a... a I suppose with something like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, uh, massively um, emotional and, you know, you're playing someone who's drunk most of the time, who's um, <laughs> a bitch from hell uh, <laughs> most of the time. Um, and there is fun in that. Don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoyed that. But there yeah, is also yeah. a very, very uh, strong underlying reason why that character's like that. And, um, you know, so that's, I think what's interesting when you're playing characters like that is as you peel the layers away, you know, you get deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, There are so many levels to play. That is always challenging. Something like Sweet Bird of Youth was exactly the same. Um, Another great uh, American writer, Tennessee Williams. Um, I, I think that was exactly the same. Again, I played an actress who was quite selfish, quite self-obsessed. At the same time, you peel that back and yeah. these inc- incredible vulnerabilities. And those are what drive these kind of, they were both, I suppose, quite monstrous women, but that's what, but it's the their vulnerabilities that drive them. And that is what makes them interesting. So yeah, those I would say were the two of the most challenging roles I played. 
the longer you play certain character as well. So like obviously you you rehearse for weeks and weeks, you know, playing mm. this character. But I think the more you play it, the more like you say you can strip back the layers and you can you know find out that there's not just they might put on a you know harder front like selfish and obsessed and things but they've always got a different side to them as well well they absolutely might be vulnerable they might have a kind side as well i just think it takes you as well who's playing that character to kind of peel back those layers you know the more you actually step into their shoes as well so it's yeah it's a good thing as well you know it's like you're getting to know and really becoming that character as well yeah i think a lot of it depends on the writing a good writer it, it, it it's if you if you're um if you're playing a character in a, in a play that's been written really well, then everything's there for you. You know, if you do, the, if you study it properly and you know learn it properly, it's all there um, because the writers and the writing is good enough. And that's, I think, that's where the joy for me. That's where the joy is. I think probably for most actors, actually. Definitely. What is the most rewarding part of being an actress? There's probably many rewarding things, but if there was one you can choose, you know, what would be you know what's the reason you come in and do what you do every day and what kind of puts a smile on your face and what rewards you in a way as well for doing that you know particular job um that's interesting I think it's probably because it's like a journey every play is like a journey some plays that you do the journey may not be as exciting as others but it is always a journey and I kind of sort of think that's what's interesting and I suppose it's like traveling the most interesting part is often the journey um, I suppose it could be and it, 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 it's all those things it's kind of like the most interesting part is getting there um it can also at times be deeply boring as you're learning your lines <laughs> oh and I make that sound as if it's always boring it's not sometimes you'd learn your lines you want to learn your lines because you keep discovering things there are times when you know you might be playing uh, uh, a teacher in a Christmas show maybe less interesting but I do think it's that sense of discovery you just don't know what's going to happen in the rehearsal room you just don't know and I mean you'll have days when you leave that rehearsal room and you'll be you'll oh you'll just hate it and you'll just hate the whole day everyone has days like that yeah, um, true. And then you're going to have days when you walk in and you discovered something that you didn't um, you, you just didn't know was going to happen and you know something just falls into place and that is just the best feeling and I suppose I'm lucky or where you know any actor is lucky that you know there's enough doing a play is ephemeral once you've done once it's finished it's that's it it's gone it's over on the way to it being over if you like there is so many roads to go down um and that can be very, you may well go down some dead end ones on the process, but that can be very exciting. And then you move on to the next one. So it's kind of like, you know, there's always, there's always hope that you might achieve something that you're, you're proud of, I suppose, uh, and that you really enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you play a certain role um, for such a long time as well, you've played that character in their shoes. So it's quite, it's sad because you're kind of saying goodbye to someone that's been a big part of you, but it's also quite bittersweet as well. Because yeah. you're moving on to obviously bigger things and a new challenge. But yeah, it's yeah. sad because you've kind of spent your days for months getting to know this character and becoming them as well. Absolutely. And I think there are days, uh, there are shows where you're really quite happy to say goodbye to them. There mm -hmm. are definitely those shows, but there are shows when it's very sad to say goodbye. And the show that we did earlier on this year, for instance, All My Sons, um, that was a show I was very sad to say goodbye to, didn't want to. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. And that's fine. Yeah. 
and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Just like life, life goes yeah. on, you move on to new things. It's just Absolutely. what happens. Yeah. Um, but like any job, really, there's always going to be pros and cons. And I feel like with acting in particular, in my eyes anyway, I'm not sure if you agree, but the pros will always outweigh the cons for sure. You know, there's always those negatives, but with acting, it's just so special yeah. that, you know, there's always going to be bigger, you know, pros and things for that particular. I think so. I agree. Most of the time, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously for being the rep for so long um, mm-hmm. and deciding you did want to be an actor, you mentioned that you kind of, you'd done your first play and, you know, we're supposed yeah, to be at drama school, school and things like that. And that was what made you kind of decide, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do this as a career. Mm-hmm. Is there any, even beforehand or just recently, is there any actors who inspire you now or have inspired you in the past? God, there's loads of them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you see actors all the time doing fantastic stuff. I mean, I suppose when I was young, uh, well, not younger, I mean, now even, I mean, you know, actors like uh, Penelope Wilton, um, Eileen Atkins, uh, amazing, amazing, amazing actors. I go and, I go and see as much as I possibly can. Um, and I particularly try and see when I can um, the streamed things from, uh, from you know, the National and the RSC. And I'm very often inspired by um, them. Uh, I went to see something, was it last week? I went, oh, the week before last, I went to see the, the Learman trilogy that had been a National Theatre production and then had gone on to the Piccadilly, uh, Piccadilly Theatre. Um, and watching someone like Simon Russell Beale is just unbelievable. I mean, Simon Russell Beale, unbelievable. Uh, an actor with whom I have worked before he was famous. And he was wonderful then. Years and years and years ago, he replayed Osric in Hamlet that I played Ophelia in. Watching him, at, you know, at the top of his game, it's just beautiful to watch. Um, but funnily enough, one of the things that I find interesting, I always think it's a real privilege whether you're in the room with actors mm-hmm. or not in the room with actors, you know, watching them on screen or whatever. It's a real privilege to, uh, I think particularly in rehearsal, watching actors being very vulnerable and taking risks, trying things out. And I think, it, yeah, it's a real privilege to watch that. And I do direct as well as act. And so, you know, whenever I get a chance to direct and I get a chance to work with actors and watching them, yeah, take those risks, jump off the end of a cliff to try and, if you see what I mean, yeah, it's a real privilege. They are willing to make a complete fool of themselves in order to achieve um, something for the story, for the play, for themselves, for the character, and um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a real privilege. Certainly, as a director, when I direct, I always feel that about every actor I work with. And as an actor, I'm kind of slightly in awe of some of the actors that I see. As I was saying, people like Penelope Wilton, who I think is an astonishing actress. Um, I mean, there's loads more. I just can't completely think off the top of my head. She's the one I always come back to, I suppose. She's the one I always think is amazing. I think she's the one for you then. There's always she's the one for me, there's definitely. There's a lot of actresses, but I feel yeah. like there's always that kind of one that sits in your head. So yeah. I love I love theatre. I absolutely love it. And I feel like, you know, every time I see it, like, I saw a lot of Broadway shows, a lot of West End, just like I say, the rep shows, you know, wow. local ones. Yeah. And I just think, I just watched and I'm like, this is incredible. Like, I saw Chicago in February. 
and yeah. it's actually mind blown by how good it was. It was just amazing, like everything, like the music, everything. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy. It's just such a good kind of thing to do, and yeah, it just it just makes you smile really. Um, when you you know you see these people doing what they're what they enjoy and what they love to do as well, yeah. and you know warms your heart a bit as well. So what else I would say is you did start off. Obviously, everyone in acting does start off somewhere. Yeah. Like you did, you know, at the very beginning of your career when you just thought, you know, this is what I want to do, I want to be an actress. As of now, so there's a lot, it's a very big industry, there's a lot of people that do want to be actors and actresses. Would there be any advice that you could give to someone now who's a budding actor or actress? Well, I suppose, um, you know, do as much as you can before you even try to get into college. And what I mean by that is join youth groups, join amateur groups, just do what you can. Partly because college is like that. They do like it. Um, they do like people to have kind of, you know, uh, sort of dip their toe in, if you like. Uh, obviously, try to get into various colleges. Read plays, actually. It is amazing how many people in this business don't read plays. Um, and I, I'm not sort of saying you have to read them all the time, but it's a skill. It is a skill to read a play. And you know, the more you read a play, the more you can see all the clues that the writer's giving you. Um, and, the, and the easier it is to kind of um, see it in your head. Because reading plays isn't, isn't easy. It's not like reading a book. It can be a little bit harder. So, so yes, that's what I would say. I would say dip your toe in as much as you possibly can with youth groups, um, with drama, with, um, drama groups, with... Um, you know, uh, maybe maybe even sort of teaching drama to children, um, amateur dramatics, um, and read plays, and then just keep trying. That would be my advice. That's great advice. I feel like that's completely true with what you said about obviously you'll go to youth groups and even just like audition for things like not yeah. like just maybe smaller plays and things like that. But I feel like with any job you're not just going to be handed it on a silver platter you know you've got to work really hard for it and that's what actors do you know they take yeah. the time and they work super hard for what they're achieving and that's what makes you even more proud of doing the job as well um but I feel like colleges and universities you know they like to see you doing these things so like attending you know community centers just auditions and they like seeing yeah. these things so I think the more kind of experience you've got with things like this it's more likely to kind of do good and go towards the hard work as well so yeah it's 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 needed in this profession well I think so but also I mean the other thing is to remember about acting it is a craft and it is so you you know there are techniques to learn you you, you learn your craft you may have yeah. natural raw talent but you know are we going to be able to hear you are you clear um uh you know again do you know how to read a play do you know how to extract extract kind of information from a play all these things all these things you need to kind of practice I think I think these are really important so um you need to if you can sing that's great if you play musical instruments that's great that's another thing as well nowadays um people want actors to do more and more and more I mean you know I was lucky I think I got into acting <laughs> when um, it wasn't necessary that you should sing and play kind of three instruments and dance and all the rest of it. So I'm pretty poor at most of those things. But um, I think nowadays, that they, it, the more talents, the more skills you have, the better. I mean, it, you're just gold dust if you can do all those things. 
Um, and I think uh, I think that is to be encouraged even more. So if you are interested in acting, don't forget the singing. Don't forget, your, you know, that, that instrument that you stopped playing two years ago. Pick it up again. All these things, really important. It makes you really yeah. envious as well when you see people that can, they've just got it all. They can act, sing, dance. Yeah. You're, like, you're the perfect person for this. It's, it's yeah. just crazy. I wish I could do all of it. But unfortunately, we're not like that. So. No, I'm certainly <laughs> like, not. I mean, <laughs> I get to sing and dance occasionally and I've played the odd yeah, instrument. Yeah. But believe you me, probably, you know, yeah, not for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Never again then. <laughs> oh, no, I do it all the time. But I'm not, I'm not very good at it. Whereas I kind of think if you're younger and you have abilities, don't let them fall by the wayside if you want to go into this business. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. With singing and things as well. If you've got it all at that young age, then you might as well just just go for it, really. You know, if you've got it, it. just do it. But keep training. Just keep training. Training is really important. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't become if you if you can sing, train as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All those things. And that's the wonderful thing about um uh, drama college if you can sing you will get singing lessons you will be encouraged if you can play an instrument you will be encouraged um and they will work on your voice all these things you will you will work on your movement on your dance really important all those things really important yeah. everything work hard yeah. is the main thing really yeah work hard. yeah this is bring me back to something we spoke about earlier but it was about like you know you mentioned parents and being successful and things and um it just came into my head but i thought like you know if you're younger and things um and yeah if you still want to do acting like if you really really are passionate about it i feel like your parents as well can sort of be that moral compass in a way like they could push you more towards it because just think you know when you're younger your sort of role model is your mum or your dad like it's usually mm-hmm. a parent of some kind you always want to do something to you know impress them you're like oh I've got to do this for my mum and things like that and when you're in that audition room you know the parent could be there when you're younger if you do start at a young age and they'll be like yeah. come on you've got to do this line for me you're going to read it perfectly you're going to put all this energy into it and I feel like in a way as well that could kind of push like especially if you're a young child actor can push mm-hmm. you towards like making the career better and you're know, doing a better job as well with the, the parents in a way as well but I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes it could maybe get a bit too much because it's you know, you, you've got to be your own self as well. I kind of sort of think with young children you know there's yeah. uh, you know lots of stories of kind of you know uh, young people kind of want to go into the business and they're maybe their parents living vicariously through them and then being pushed too hard um, I know that <laughs> my little niece over in um, Australia, um, she's, well, I don't can't remember what she is now, 11, um, 11 or 12, <laughs> and she has, <laughs> she, <laughs> it's kind of quite funny because she um, seems to have been signed up by an agent over there. Oh, oh I don't know whether it's going to happen, but I just can't, I know that my my brother and his wife, they've got their heads screwed on. And I suppose one of the things my brother said to me is that, well, we, we let her do it because she's not, she doesn't seem to be that, um, it seems to be the thing that she loves to do the most. And whereas her sister's really good at sports and other things, this is what Bella wants to do. So, you know, um, so she's absolutely delighted. But I don't know. I, I don't think uh, Rebs and uh, my, that my, uh, that my brother and sister-in-law will push them, push her. Uh, and I don't think any child should be pushed or done or, or allowed to do something because the parent couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. But at the same time, if they want to do it, then I kind of also think as well, opportunities have to be provided. If the parents are in a situation to do that, and to be fair, not all parents will be. And um, 
and also I think you, you know you, you, I think one of the things that my parents were very disappointed about was that um, I, I was quite bright not not amazingly bright I was quite bright um, and I think they thought I would be the first of the family to go to university and I get I get that now a lot more than I got it then I think if I had my brain in my young body I might well have gone to university because um, <laughs> I also think as well that there is there is going to be times of unemployment uh, whether we like it or not in this business yeah. and um at sometimes having another string to your bow ain't no bad thing. No, you know, so because because it's tr- it's difficult, and you've got you've got to put food on your table, you've got to eat, you've got to pay your bills, yeah. uh, got to pay your rent or your mortgage <laughs> or whatever you've got. You know, important. Yeah, yeah, no, as I think as well with the whole like kind of parent thing. I think if it's what the child wants to do, that is perfect as long as it's what they want to do. But if it did get to the point, you know, where the thought this isn't for me then it's an easy career to come out of as well. And I think if it's at a younger age as well, it's probably better that you kind of stop yeah. it when you, you can. Know, you hear about people all the time. I mean, I was listening to Radio 4 this morning and listened to this amazing woman who um, had been a barrister. And I think um, her life had gone a little bit, you know, skew with. And she left, she she stopped and she became um, she became a, a, a baker, I think. A, a sushi, a, a, a so yeah, uh, whatever they call—I don't know what they call it—but anyway, she um, she baked, um, and I think people do that all the time. And I kind of think one of the things I do think is that it is quite vocational acting. There is no shame in leaving it if it isn't doing it for you, if it isn't working for you. There's no shame in leaving something if it doesn't work for you. You know, you turned around and said earlier on about kind of you know you have to work hard at it. So a lot of it's luck as well. Some people. Yeah will have all the talent um, and none of the opportunities. Some people have all the talent and all the opportunities. But there will be people in the country, just like there are you know, people everywhere that would be, have been uh, great at anything if they'd had the opportunity. And I think that about a lot of actors as well. They won't necessarily have had the opportunity. But that, So what I'm saying is, is that there's no point in flogging a dead horse and it doesn't mean that you're not any good it means that actually you go and live your life you know I, I think it would be sad if someone spent all their life trying to be something and if the world if that world didn't take them in and it would be sometimes absolutely as I said nothing to do with their talent more to do with opportunity opportunity and luck plays a great part in the business of acting I think yeah yeah I think it's like um, it might you might love it, and or it might you know you might be good at it, very yeah. humble with talent in the world, but it might yeah. just not be for you. And you kind of I feel like with not just with that, but with anything, like you have that gut feeling. It's like yeah. your heart's telling you it's not for you, and you need to move on. You know, just yeah. back to my for experiences in general. You know, I I love to travel. It's the best thing ever for me. But I did used to work at a travel agent, and I thought that's me. That's my career set. You know, ready yeah. to go and not long after I started there I just thought this isn't for me you know I wasn't doing what I thought I was going to be doing yeah it just wasn't for me and I've then moved on to a job you know fair enough it's kind of it's mainly for the money the money is very good but I'm getting to then travel the world which is what I've always wanted to do because I've saved and I've worked hard for it so it just shows that things like that happen in life and you've just kind of got to take it with a pinch of salt because that's what happens in life I think so 
So I know that in most of the rep plays that you have been in, that well, I saw you in as well, you've usually played uh, various characters. You've played more mm-hmm. than one character. Um, so my question oh, yeah. really for this, first of all, how was it like being able to just like not just play one character? So you're kind of put in, you know, your effort into more than one. How was it doing this rather than just playing that straight character? Um, it's fine. It tends to be kind of um, uh, usually with plays, if you're playing more than one character, you can guarantee that all those characters, there's probably not going to be uh, um, the richness maybe you get with playing a kind of bigger and one character. So you're probably going to go, there'll be some situations where it'll be slightly more caricature maybe. Mm-hmm because you want to make differences that's not always necessarily the case but you know certainly at Christmas and things like that it probably will be um although interestingly enough we're doing a play at the moment or we're just rehearsing a play at the moment at Bridge, and I do have two characters in that although one main character um and they don't feel very caricature which is really nice actually so they're both very one's quite small but quite rich nevertheless and as is the other so it's okay you sometimes can get a little bit, um, I get a bit, uh, it can be be quite hard sometimes if the characters are quite similar, then you have to make choices that you wouldn't necessarily make if you were just playing the one character because you have to separate them. So that can be a little bit frustrating sometimes, but generally speaking, generally speaking, it's okay. It can be quite fun. So not too bad, but uh, the, the the demands are different really, I think. Um, oh no, they're, they're sort of the same. But as I'm saying, <laughs> they're sort of the same. You still want to explore the characters. You still want to kind of, you know, find a backstory, find out what drives them, what's their drama, what's their tension, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But I suspect, though, on the whole, that tends to be kind of smaller characters. And if they're quite similar, you need to find differences. So there are different things you need to look for. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like modern day, like everyone's different. They've all got something about them, you know, it's different mm-hmm. in their personality and it's good to kind of distinguish those. If yeah. they are the same, they can understand why it would be a bit frustrating as well, but you've got to kind of put those things, like strip it back a bit and put those things to the side and just try to find that kind of something about each one that kind of yeah. tells them who they are as well. But it is your job. Do you know what I mean? It is your job. I mean, and the whole point is, is you what you've got to do is kind of look at any character, whether it's a, a big, you know, main character one character all through or whether it's the smaller characters I mean your job is to tell the story of the play to to help towards telling the story of the play that's the most important thing is is to make the story of the play really clear so whenever you look at a character whether it be a small whether it be multiple characters or a big character it's all about kind of is this telling the story of the play? And if it is, that's good. If it isn't, then you need to have a word with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rethink the career a bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, remember, that just reminds me, remember I watched you, must be about two years ago now, and um, went with my on a school trip to see uh, the TV and the Stark and the Black, oh, Black yeah. Oil that you yeah, were yeah, in. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Um, I didn't really know much about it before we saw it, and I actually, funny enough, I actually wrote an essay on it, everything that yeah. really happened in it, and even like the lighting and stuff used, just to kind of make it, you know, what a was but I remember you you did play a fair share of characters in that and there was two that yeah. stood out one of them was quite higher class they were kind of getting everyone out of the town and things like that and then there was another one that was more lower class and they were poor and then I think a fire started or something it was a while ago but I just remember and you can tell how different those two characters were you were being able to yeah. go from playing you know an upper class person to then playing someone who's you know 
a bit more lower class as well. So it was good yeah. to see that, and it's really different. So yeah, I think that lower class person actually spoke spoke Gaelic. I think if I remember rightly, in the Gaelic, yeah, the Gaelic spoke in the family. Gaelic. Yeah, that was quite hard family. work. Yeah, remembering <laughs> that. Um, yeah, no, that was. I, I think that was a real honour. Actually, it was a real privilege to do that one. Chibi at the stag, the black black oil, because I think it was the you know it was a it was such an iconic production when it was done in the seventies. Mm-hmm. It has been done since, but I think this was the first really big new production that had been done of it. So they felt like they felt a real sense of um, responsibility towards mm-hmm. that. And I think when it was done in the seventies, it was kind of mainly three male actors that took on all nearly all the parts and a couple of. Uh, and some of the women they took on some of the women's parts but we kind of tried to be slightly gender blind on it not completely but a little bit gender blind on it um and yeah I actually really loved doing that and some of these parts that you were talking about actually particularly the lower class one there was hardly anything there so it's Mm -hmm. kind of quite gratifying that you remember it because I remember remember we all trying to create these parts in the rehearsal room and having very little very little to kind of hold on to and just kind of you know trying to create things and when it worked it was very exciting I, I was so proud of that production I can't oh, begin oh. to tell you yeah love the people I worked with was so proud of all of them as well mm-hmm. it was such fun it really was yeah. great fun. yeah you should be it was a really amazing production I you know like I said I went in there not knowing really anything about it but I feel like some of the time when you do see plays or you even watch a film and you don't read the book or something it's based on, I yeah. feel like that's good as well because you're not really coming in with any thoughts on it. You're just yeah, kind you of seeing it as it is and you're like, oh, this is that. But I absolutely loved it. Like, I usually don't really see historic things, but I feel like seeing that and the fact it was obviously telling stories from many, many years ago and the way the characters were being played and portrayed, I just thought it was amazing and you guys yeah. should be really proud of that. It was really good. Yeah, we were. We had a great time. So. I hope you'd a party after that because it was it was amazing. <laughs> I think we just I think we just because we, we went on tour with it, so I think we all had a great time. We really did, yeah. yeah that good, was really good, good times, yeah. <laughs> good memories. Do you have? So you obviously mentioned that you do have um, a project like another play coming up with the Rep, but apart from that, do you have any other upcoming projects that you're currently working on? Um, I'm directing a show next year at the Rep. Um, I'm directing a Shakespeare, Measure for Measure. Um, so I'm sort of already working on that, uh, uh, which is kind of, you know, that's it was different, I suppose. Um, um, I directed uh, Much Ado About Nothing about three years ago or mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, and I really enjoyed that. Um, Measure for Measure uh, is a brilliant play, so I'm looking forward to that. So I've already started working on that. So that kind of, you know, that, I mean, I'm, I don't say I'm working on it every day, but... Yeah, I kind of, uh, I work on that. Uh, what else? Um, not, <clears throat> nothing really. Um, that's about it, really. I mean, you know, my other project is my garden, which I love doing. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, it was on nothing to do with acting. Nothing out to with. do with theatre. Completely <laughs> out with, and I really love that, and that's why I find great joy and pleasure. Um, so, no, apart from that, but I, I kind of, you know, I feel that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot anyway, yeah. It's hard I feel it's a lot, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, how is it like directing? How is it kind of, it's like you're taking a step back in a way, but you, you are still always working hard, but how is it taking it from other perspectives? So you're kind of controlling what the actors do instead of you being the one that's kind of doing that. Yeah. How, like, how does it feel to take on that role? Well, I don't control what the actors do. I can only, yeah. um, I can only uh, nudge or, mm-hmm. or um, 
No, not, not maybe isn't quite the right word, but I, I can look at a play and I can study it and I can see how I would like that play mm-hmm. to um, to be, if you like. And I can, uh, you know, the journey of the characters, the journey of each scene, I can um, hopefully direct the actors in that way. But it, it, it's interesting. I think actors bring something quite special uh, into a room that you weren't necessarily expecting sometimes. I think it was Michael Boyd at the RSC that kind of called it a kind of sort of strange sort of voodoo. You can come in with very strong thoughts about a play and everything, but you've got to be willing to shift slightly. If your actors suddenly do things and you kind of think, oh, that's giving me another idea, you've got to to be open. It's a collaborative thing, I think, directing. And it's different because when you're in a play, sometimes it's quite hard to see the wood for the trees. You know, it's quite hard to see the thing as a whole. The advantage I think a director has when they're looking is they can help. So the actors might lose sight of the whole. So you've got to make sure the story, you've got to make sure the story is clear. That's kind of the main job is tell the story. And that's your job as an actor. But sometimes you can't always see that. So it's quite useful having a director sitting outside. So I think what I enjoy about directing is that sense of kind of how can I, how can I, with the help of the actors and with the collaboration of the actors, tell the story and tell it clearly. Yeah, I enjoy it. I think, I think yeah. directing would be good, um, really good, really different as well. And you're still you're still being a part of everything, but you're just kind of having a different intake on it, you know, from what yeah. would be to kind of be on the stage yeah. in that sort of acting perspective, as well as acting and obviously cleaning your garden and looking after your garden. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you are truly passionate about apart from these things? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm trying to think. I mean. <laughs> uh, Really? Oh, I love reading. <laughs> I love reading. I can't stop reading. I'm not always saying I read good things. Um, oh. <laughs> I, read, I read a lot of rubbish as well. No, I read, I garden, um, I draw. I do draw. Uh, not very well, but I do. I find that quite restful. Um, not restful isn't the word. I, I find it quite, it, I find I can kind of, con- I can think about other things when I'm drawing. I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, uh, I like cooking um, and that's about it really. You know. It's good. It's yeah, daily, daily things. But I feel like it's good because you've not got a whole list. But it's good because you're kind of, you know, you can do those things and hobbies. Well, really, you know, it's your focus yeah. kind of one thing. About, thing yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing about a garden uh, is, that, I mean, I grow my own vegetables and all this, that, and the other. And the thing about a garden, it moves at its own pace, and I really like mm-hmm. that. You know, because I think in when you're working in theatre, you know, you're always moving towards opening a show, opening a show, learning the lines, etc. And think about the garden, the garden moves at its own pace. So, you know, like last year, it was really hot and dry and the flowers came out really early. This year, the flowers came out later. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's great. It's a kind of, it's a very opposite world in a way to the world that I work in during the day and at night and at the weekends. But my garden is a very opposite world. I can't rush it. It will only move at its own pace. And I enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's like you've got, um, it's quite peaceful as I'm calming, but it's like you've got a double life, really. Yeah. On one side, the garden, the calmness and things. But yeah. I feel like hobbies do certain things to people as well. Like, you know, they can just relax them. And for yeah. me, like, I like simple things like colouring in and stuff. It's a good therapy for me. And it just yeah. like you say about when you draw, it kind of takes everything away from your mind. For me, if you like colouring in does that, like you've got yeah. 
my calling in, we call it my Disney calling in book, I love Disney, so I call it in with that, and it's just really relaxing and calms the mind, it just makes you forget about everything else, but yeah, yeah cooking and things as well, I love that, there's, yeah, it's just kind of little things, you know, that I enjoy as well, it's, yeah, yeah. Good, good to have hobbies. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice, so, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on Take One, Irene, um, you're welcome. thank you for letting me interview yeah. you, and yeah, so your next, um, well, your upcoming project is going to be Tay Bridge at the Rip. That's right, yeah, Tay yeah. Bridge, which I think opens in about, oh, I don't know, about three weeks' time, something like oh that, God, three, four weeks' time, maybe. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be interesting because it's a take on the Tay Bridge disaster, but it's not about the disaster. It's about the, um, no one really knows the stories of the people that died. They know the names of the people. They don't really know the stories. And I think, and so... It, you know, this lovely writer, Peter Arnott, has sort of maybe taken a few liberties, but he's kind of decided that the only way you can kind of, I suppose, understand the loss is if you just hear these people's stories. It's quite fictionalised in many ways. Mm-hmm. The names are real. The names are real. And you just hear, there's about seven of them, and you just hear their stories, just kind of like just before the disaster happens. Yeah, I think yeah. that's good. It's kind of looking more on the you know you know the real side of life as well and it's not just kind of someone that's happened and we've lost people it's really looking into their stories and branching out and in a way it, it reminds me of uh, I went to see Titanic like the, the yeah. musical it was something different yeah. but I saw it and it was kind of before it happened it was like you say it was telling their stories you know before this big tragedy happened um but I think that's good you're getting to really know the characters and yeah. know them as people as well yeah. um before but for anyone that doesn't know about the Tay Bridge disaster because you could be listening from anywhere yeah. um, basically the Tay Bridge disaster so the Tay Bridge collapsed and um, this was in when was it 1879 an unthinkable thing that happened um, yeah. just a disaster really but yeah the bridge um, because it was really bad weather as well but the bridge the Tay Bridge um, collapsed. It collapsed yeah, and obviously we lost a lot of people that night. I think it was, it was a sad thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was about between 73 and 76 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it was kind of one of those kind of awful stories where you hear that the, the signalman, you know, they'd signalled to Dundee that the, 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 the train was on its way and it was a terrible, terrible, terrible storm that night. But of course it never reached Dundee, so they never got the signal back. And you know, they crawled out onto the bridge oh, on the tracks God. and they just and they because they couldn't see anything, discovered that the bridge had um just kind of there was this it just fallen away and taken oh, the whole wow. of the train with it. And yeah, just one of the biggest uh, I think rail tragedies ever. Obviously the bridge is intact again now, but when you're going over it, the, the thought always crosses my mind, like well, what's happened. You know? Absolutely. And also for all the, all those people that uh, you know are listening and don't come from Dundee, should you mm-hmm. ever come to Dundee uh, and you cross the bridge on the uh, you know, the rail bridge if you're in the train, you'll see yeah. the stumps of the old rail bridge, the one that collapsed. You can see the stumps in the water they're like a sort of perpetual reminder of yeah. that terrible tragedy and uh, and they're never going to take them down for that very reason yes. walking walking reminder i think it's good in a way as well it's obviously it's really sad but i feel like with anything any tragedy that happens in the world it's got to be there you have to remind yeah. you and to remind you of who you lost but remember them in a positive way and obviously because it was so long ago as well there is always going to be things about these people that always will be we'll always find out things about them and their story and things but i think it's really good well, that you guys are doing a take on this as well it's <laughs> yeah. really interesting 
I mean, I think one of the interesting things was that we went to the collections area for you know, the McManus galleries and they showed us some of the things that were kind of, you know, that were picked, that, that were um, uh, taken from some of the bodies and sort of things like that. So, you know, things like a purse with money in and, um, you know, jewellery, um, you know, it, it was just, it was so moving and they're still there. They're still there in that collections. I mean, and other things as well, you know, so... It would, you know, and yet we don't know who these things belong to. We don't know what they meant to people. We just don't know. Just don't know. Yeah. Never will, sadly. So yeah. no, it's it's good they're still there though. Um, but yeah, I will definitely be there yeah. to see that at some point. Um, you can get your tickets on good. the rep co.uk so if you are based in dundee go on to dundeerep.co.uk and the first performance is on the 27th of august so you can put your oh, tickets glad. there but um yeah thank you so much again irene for you're joining welcome me on you're this. welcome yeah. yeah i hope um i hope this goes well you'll probably be in rehearsals doing this but thanks again for being the first guest on take one you're welcome okay thank you take care okay bye bye bye, bye. bye. Since 1923, we've been supporting Scotland's mental health. SAMH, the Scottish Association for Mental Health.